0: Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. Also, please support the show at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. For just $1 a month, you support the show. If you donate $5 a month, which is like what, half a drink or a drink depending on what you drink and where you live, then you get access to extra episodes extra interviews or extended chats so for this week for instance i'll bring you a great chat that i had with jennifer Perelman, where we talk about animals the new york primary you get to hear my dog bodie see my dog bodie on the video as well And just a heads up, this interview came from a Twitch video that I did. I've been dabbling in Twitch and I think I'm gonna dabble in YouTube as well. So you'll hear me and Jen refer to some questions that she's asked and those are questions that people watching on Twitch asked during the interview which was live. And the bonus will include more Twitch questions. So here we go. Very excited to have on Jen Perelman. Jen is running for Congress in Florida against Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who you may have heard of. DWS, not to be confused with DSW, which is Designer Shoe Warehouse. Jen is an attorney. She is also part of brand new Congress, and she's running an 100% grassroots funded people-powered campaign. Check her out at Jen2020.com. Not to be confused with Joe Biden 3030.
1: Go to Joe 30330. Oh, three, oh.
0: Welcome Jen. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, yeah. Tell us where you're from first of all because I got to admit you you scan the way you you sound to me is New York.
1: But yeah. you're but
0: you're not. You're right. Floridian.
1: No, but I do take that as a compliment that I sound like a New Yorker, but um the highest. Truthfully, I no. I'm a native Floridian. I was born in North Miami, Florida. Actually, I'm a second generation native Floridian. My dad was born down here, which is almost unheard of. Yeah. But his family is all from Brooklyn. And there my mom's go. family is Philadelphia. But um, yeah, I mean, when you look at people, especially Jewish people in South Florida. It's essentially a part of New York that broke off and coasted down here.
0: Right. Tell us why you joined the race. Um, and tell us about yourself and what made you want to get into this into this business, this not very lucrative business of running for uh, for Congress. You know,
1: actually, I was asked to do this. So I this was not a career move for me. It still isn't a career move for me. I do see it as a term of service. That is the, the major premise of our campaign. I do not have lifelong ambitions of sitting in Congress. Um, I'm actually worried that there won't be enough showers in a day to deal with the nonsense there. But I, my background is actually a journalism background. I went to school to be a journalist. My background from there went into marketing communications. I was doing media relations for a state chamber of commerce in Indiana and spending a lot of time at the state house and working on policy and you know, really getting to know the process, and I really liked it, and that's when I decided to go to law school. So I ended up doing criminal defense work, which I really love. Um, I still do like criminal work a lot. I, I think it's important. Criminal justice reform is one of my key issues, and that comes from my time doing criminal work. And really, what I'm about is justice. Yeah, it's all kinds of justice, and it's about using my privilege, which right now I am in a position of privilege, and that's. It's it's very. I feel like it is incumbent upon me to use that for people that are not in a privileged position. Um, But now I grew up very working class. My parents are working class. I'm the first person to go to college in my family. Um, So you know I grew up with working class, very um, old school Jewish values in North Miami Beach, and I just happen to be in a position right now where I mean, how many people can afford to take two years? essentially, of their life and dedicate it, raise the money and do this. This is why regular people can't participate in the process. Right. So my goal is to get eventually to a place Well, I support publicly financed elections, but my goal is to use this as a platform so that to open it for everyone else, because that's what this needs to be.
0: And it's interesting that your background is in criminal defense. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, Hey, that rhymes. I need from plan for that. Uh, I've, I've had on the show, um, Tiffany Caban, Chase Boudin, and Larry Krasner, all of whom ran as decarceral DAs, um, two of whom were elected. And they face a kind of similar issue, I think, as, as someone who runs for Congress, right? Which is that you're entering a system that's pretty fucked up, but you're able to do amazing things. You're infiltrating it, right? So what are some of the things that you, when you win, will be able to do?
1: That's contingent also upon how many other people that are non-corporatists win um, my same cycle, because really what we're trying to do is chip away at the corporate establishment. And it's not something that's going to happen. I mean, we went from, I think, nine to 40 or so representatives in Congress that are non-corporate people, And so that's a step in the right direction. But it's certainly not enough to really push through what we want to push through, So really what I say is it's about adding to our numbers and being one more person that cannot be bought and is not beholden to the Democratic establishment. You know, I I don't feel any any connection to them really whatsoever, other than I'm registered as a Democrat. I've been a Democrat my whole life, but I was a Democrat thinking they were the Labor Party back, you know, when I was growing up. So, you know, the way I see it is I'm actually a real Democrat. And they are, you know, corporate pod people like from the body snatchers that have taken over what should be a labor party. So, you know, yeah, I think it's really just about adding to our numbers at this point until we can get enough people in. But I mean, immediately I would sign on Pramila Jayapal's Medicare for all bill. I mean, there's a there's a stack of progressive legislation that I would very quickly just add my signature to, you know, so that would be the
0: first thing. Did you feel a a shift in 2016? Like, did that change your politics or your view of politics or your view of the media the way it it did for me? Like, I, I was I was always aware that the Dems and Republicans were too similar, but I really it wasn't. I think some with Sanders in the race, when I when it was clear how viable someone like him was, it kind of opened up the horizons of what's possible And it exposed the people who opposed that stuff as being opponents of it, right? Not just these pragmatists who, well, we got to vote for these Dems because they're the lesser of of two evils. Like There was someone else who entered the race who um, had a different view. And so that, to me, created a a very different moral framework um, uh, through which to see the Democrats in general. Were you already there or did you change the way you saw things or – I I was somewhat there
1: for me. It was really more about the 2000 election. Yeah. Um, I was living in Texas at the time. And I had been a lifelong dem. I actually campaigned for every and the truth is up and I even campaign up until I campaigned for Obama for his for the 2008. I, I didn't the second term. Um, I always was involved politically. And I I've always been pretty progressive and left. We didn't necessarily call it that because we were just Democrats. You know, yeah. like I said, I feel like I've stayed where I've always yeah. been, Right. you know, I'm pro labor, pro environment and anti-war I'm where I've always been. They all moved to the right. right. Um, so, you know, for me, I think that I was very happy in 16 that Bernie was running. I had known about Bernie for years. I wrote a thesis in law school about same sex marriage and, um, because of Vermont being on the forefront of that his name had come up several times in my in my writing. So I was aware of him. And I was very excited to see him running. But I will say for me personally, 2016 was the first time really in my life that I didn't feel like I voted for the lesser of two evils. And I didn't vote for the lesser of two evils. And I don't regret it for a second. And I will never do that again. So for me, it was that turning point was that but not in terms of like philosophically i've always been um what you would call progressive philosophically right
0: yeah oh that's so fascinating so you and pete Buttigieg were both influenced uh, and impressed by <laughs> bernie sanders but one yeah. of you uh gr- you know grew up to be uh and self-serving yeah let's say self-serving um centrist uh, but that's so that's interesting so you probably you knew about him before it was cool to know about. i him. did
1: i knew about him um I knew who he was as a, as a representative. And then through doing research, I had learned about what he was like as the mayor of Burlington. Yeah. I, I, at the time he was mayor of Burlington, I wasn't familiar, but it sure. was afterwards when I was doing research, but you know, it's not a coincidence that Vermont was the first state to have civil unions. Yeah. And, and so I, that's been something that's been on my radar for a long time. Uh, yeah. I argued that civil unions were still unconstitutional Um, that differentiating between that and marriage was, um, a violation of their rights. I think that calling something a civil union, I mean, this is even, this was in 97. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I've, yeah, I've always been kind of left.
0: Yeah. And, um, tell us about Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Why does she deserve to be, uh, run against it's interesting because most people
1: probably watching this know her from the 2016 DNC fiasco where she she was the head of the DNC. And during that time, um, between her and Obama, I think they lost more than a thousand seats across the country, uh, you know, which is a definitely a sign of her leadership. And they also, she also financially ran the organization into the ground to the point where it was completely dependent on the Clinton Foundation. And that's another can of worms. But, you know... She didn't do a good job overseeing the DNC. And that's what most people know her for. But right. the reality is she is just a corporate bought tool. And, and it's no different than anybody else's um, incumbent that they're dealing with that's a corporate tool. She, I just happen to know her because she's my corporate tool. So I, she's been my rep for 16 years. She takes money from Literally, I cannot think of one industry that I don't that I don't find abhorrent that she doesn't take money from. So everything from payday lenders, fossil fuel, um, Florida power and light, big sugar, um, private insurance companies, um, big pharma, for profit prison industry, uh, payday lenders, everything you can think of that would basically be contrary to the needs of regular people. That's who she takes her money from. Yeah. So I think all of those people need to be primaried.
0: Yeah. Tell- Brand new Congress, do you have to be like nominated is that the process? for brand yeah. new Congress. Okay. So, and that's, that's good because you, I always say you want a reluctant administrator. A lot of assholes want to be powerful. <laughs> so you want a reluctant administrator. You want uh, someone who, who doesn't want to run for office. I mean, there are great people out there who have willingly uh, run for office. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie, but it, it's a cool thing when, when you're nominated. So who nominated you? Um, a woman named Xenia uh, Perez, actually, who
1: I had met through Tim Canova's campaign in 16. She was um, working for him and she was very involved with BNC. She had called in and um, nominated me and started the process. And then once that started, it was just very natural. I, I love BNC, like what they stand for. I love their 21st century bill of rights. I I find that um, the people that are part of that are very kindred spirits to me. And it's a range of people. I mean, their executive director is technically a progressive Republican, Rob Reiersey.
0: OK, right. Because that's and, their, their, their shtick, right, is that they're bipartisan.
1: And they are. Now, the reality is most of the people that are running on non-corporate platforms are going to be democratic right. affiliates, but their whole issue, if you, if you are a conservative person, but you get behind their bill of rights and what I, that's why I love it is it isn't specific policy. Sure. It is a bill of rights because different constituents have different needs. So yeah, they are all about having regular people represent regular people. Right. So you got and, a- and I love that.
0: AOC, Corey
1: Bush, um, who are some other ones, Albert Lee, Rebecca Parson. I'm doing a live stream with Rebecca tonight. Oh my God. There's so many of yeah. us. Is Shahid I, like, Mutar? No, he's not, he's not BNC. And I don't think he's a JD either. Hmm. He's to- and that's the point is that there's so many progressives out there, right. whether, and I tell everybody, whether they're BNC or JD or, you know, whatever, it's just a matter of non-corporate people. That's right. really what matters.
0: And what's been the most surprising up to you running um, in the race? What have you learned from, you know, about your potential constituents?
1: Uh, being that I'm a native from here, there really isn't too much that shocks me about this demographic. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, we, we've got a core group of, you know, older boomer age people that tend to be very centrist and tend to be very comfortable with the status quo. We have that. And I've been spending the better part of the past year outreaching not those people, but the people that normally don't participate, people that are disenfranchised, people that don't think their vote has mattered, and really trying to engage new people in the process. And I do think that to some extent, some of you know those more centrist people, when given a better option, might opt for a better option. They haven't really been given one that they feel safe with. And that's just the reality. And there is something tribal about it in the community. Yeah. Um, But what but I think that what really surprises me the most is how somewhat complacent the people are here with the election integrity problems and specifically party people that are inside party people that should be caring about that. And they're really not caring about that so much. They pay lip service to it as in gerrymandering and um... At, well gerrymandering, but even just, you know, finding ballots in trunks of cars. I mean, up until after 2016, Debbie and our Broward supervisor of elections, they were they're friends. So she was literally friends with the supervisor of elections and and, and it's very party affiliated. The supervisor of elections to me should not be a party affiliated yeah. position anyway, but it is. And so it was such a club, and so we have at least eliminated that that um, variable, which I do am happy about. But a lot of the old school Dems, they say that you know they want democratic principles, but they seem to have forgotten what those principles are. And I think it's been happening gradually. They watched; they've been watching Rachel Maddow since like the nineties, and they haven't noticed the shift. Right.
0: Yeah, uh, Russia, uh, Russia, 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 all the time. I.
1: Which, I, she yeah. is, um, and that's a big disappointment to me. Like I said, I'm a journalism person and yeah. I used to love watching Rachel Maddow and Keith Olbermann and that,
0: yeah. I, re- I listened to her on Air America. Yeah, I okay, remember, yeah, so, me too, yeah. We just yeah. played a clip of her actually coming, this is very relevant to you. Uh, we just played a clip of her um, lamenting that uh, Bernie Sanders hadn't dropped out, uh, blaming him, basically saying he's a, the, that Biden was the, De facto nominee and Bernie without any chance of winning was he, how could he stay in this primary? And you know, she never asked any governors about the safety of holding the primaries, it was only on Bernie to basically drop out. And I, you know, one of the governors who pushed forward with the elections, of course, was uh, was DeSantis, your beloved governor, uh, yeah. who interestingly enough, he and Joe Biden had the same rationale. They both referred to the Civil War as an example of a time when they didn't stop the vote, Um, which is such a a bullshit comparison. (laughs) Like no one was like, you know, during the, um, you know, this pandemic, we also voted because a, a war, inconvenient as it is, disruptive as it is, is also not a communicable disease. Um, so what what was it like? What, what's it like in Florida? And, and how, how how did people respond uh, to, to the call to vote? And Have you seen a lot of spring breakers partying on the beach?
1: I have not, other than video clips, seen the, the, the idiots at the beach. Yeah. Um, That is a whole other world. But then again, when I was in college, I can't say that I wouldn't have done that either. So, you know, that's one of those things. Really? Even
0: in pandemic times? I don't know. I mean, we did some really stupid stuff. I
1: rode on motorcycles without helmets at 100 miles an hour, and I can't believe I would do stupid stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know. But um, I was out on our primary day with gloves and a mask and handing out, you know, just some paper materials, very, you know, non-confrontationally. And it was very, very slow at the polls. Now, that being said, a lot of people here had already voted in early voting and a lot of people here vote by mail. Yeah. So so but it was very slow at the polls. Most people were not out on it. It was not a typical primary election day by any stretch here.
0: Right. Someone asked, um, what are your uh, three issues that you would never compromise on no matter what?
1: Actually, that, there's a lot more than three, but my I'll just go with what we say are our top three campaign issues, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, and criminal justice reform. And more specifically with criminal justice reform, we need to abolish for-profit prisons and decriminalize marijuana. Um, that's the first step. That's, that's the immediate need. And as far as Green New Deal, I mean, it's so broad. So when I say that, but I, I really mean all of the justice policies, environmental, social, that level the playing field between the haves and the have-nots. That's what this is about. Even
0: if you only care about the party, the capital D, the blue color, like as you pointed out under Obama and under her, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, DNC leadership, they lost so many seats. Yep. And that stuff actually matters, you know, the presidential election obviously matters, but so do other offices
1: yeah, the cognitive dissonance amongst the people, and it's, and I see it in my district all the time. You know, you have people that are big, um that they're Debbie supporters, they're blue no matter who. They're gonna all, you know, get behind Biden. But yet, if they would just stop and think that this is the person, Debbie is the person that lost them over a thousand seats, this is the person that ran their organization into the ground financially. Right. So that's a cognitive dissonance. So they're supporting her no matter what, even though, the stuff that she did is contrary to their blue no matter who. Right, you know, exactly, it's like yeah. that's
0: complete cognitive dissonance. Right. I mean, it's similar to the Biden thing. It's like, don't be mad at the people who reported on this story, Tara Reid, or who believe Tara or think it's an important story. Like, be mad at all the people who pushed him through without the normal vetting that anyone would get. Be mad about the moderate consolidation. Be mad at Obama. They can't. They just they can't just see can't outside
1: be. of themselves. It's the same thing as, well, it's blaming whistleblowers. So we, we get the information that the DNC cheated Bernie. And instead of being mad about the information, we're mad at the person who exposed the exactly. information. How demented is this? Yes. We're like, I feel like we're like battered spouses. Like we just don't even know any better. We're not entitled yeah. to anybody. That's I, the craziest. I, I, yes.
0: Some of them don't know any better. And some of them are disingenuous. So it's like ill-informed or disingenuous. And I think the people that we need to reach are the ones who are ill-informed or just don't know that there could be any other way. Um, And I I guess I assume that, like, who are you looking actually to to vote for you? Because I'm assuming that the disingenuous people, we don't really have time to deprogram them. But, you know,
1: some of them and, and you know, our, our district, uh, albeit very gerrymandered and it's very safe blue seat, which, you know, Debbie worked on for years. Her and Mario Diaz-Balart. Geriatric mandered. It is geriatric mandered. And so, you know, we're safely blue, but it's much more of a Biden blue than a Bernie blue, unfortunately. Right. And there is a certain amount of deprogramming that occurs and we have been doing it. I've been working on this for a year. And there's a certain amount of her people that they're just her people. Yeah. And it just, they like her because they like her, and it facts be damned, and they just, they don't care. Yeah. Those people are not, we're not going after them. It's not worth our while. Right. But there is a pretty giant chunk of her people, whether it's like the older Jewish voters that are comfortable with a nice Jewish girl there, um, and they've never been presented with another option. Right. So there are some of those people and there are people that truly do not understand the nefarious nature of the of the Democratic leadership. They truly believe. And those are the misinformed. Your regular centrist Democrat down here, they truly believe that Nancy Pelosi is all that in a bag of chips. Right. They truly
0: believe. And ice cream bars. This is something you can get through the mail. Other people in our family go for some other flavors, but. Chocolate, and then we have some other chocolate here. I enjoy it. I like it better than anything else. And I don't know why, but it seems to agree with me. I have a lot of energy. And we just got restocked the ice cream because we were, shall we say, enjoying. I don't know what I would have done if ice cream were not invented.
1: Right. They believe that. So they're well-intended. They're just misinformed. Right. and they they truly trust in the leadership of the party and we know that the leadership of the party would much prefer Trump to Bernie yeah. and 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 that's that's something that the people that are just your regular people they haven't come to terms with that and that's a big thing they would acknowledge
0: yeah i think that's totally true and in fact people look at you like you're a conspiracy theorist but you're not a conspiracy theorist and as we know from wikileaks so i guess we're supposed to Pretend it doesn't exist, or else we're letting the Russians win, or something. But as we know from WikiLeaks, the Democrats wanted to elevate Trump because they thought—I mean, they thought he had no chance. But that's a, it was pretty a big Pied gamble. Pied that Piper, was yeah. Pied Piper strategy. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? I look at
1: somebody, quite honestly, like somebody like Nancy Pelosi, and I think whether or not she'll ever admit it. She loves having Trump in the White House. They all do. And the reason that they do is it allows them to be the Mick resistance that they are. They don't have to do anything. And they get lots of donations from their donors. Yes. So it's theater. It's theater. And the reality is when you are in a certain financial class, that's your people. I don't care what color you have next to your name. So she and people like her are infinitely more better off with somebody like Donald Trump in the white house. And you know, that's just, a, that's not a conspiracy. That's just following the numbers. Yeah, I mean, that's just money.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's totally true because they, they get to just exist in the realm of the performative. That's, li- that's all they have to do. They get they to, to do anything. Him. They get to, you know, Nancy claps and you have an entire like, uh, anal- cultural criticism analysis of how that clapping is actually a subversive feminist act and a rejection of racism and the patriarchy.
1: We must reject the politics of revenge, resistance, and retribution, and embrace the boundless potential of cooperation, compromise, and the common good.
0: Yeah, like her her pre-perforated papers that she tore. Uh, Yeah, yeah, where that's... We should... Papergate, yeah. This is theater. I know, ripping up his speech. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much. I mean, it's ridiculous. Also, she gave him a standing O, right? Like, she, she. If, if we're just analyzing optics, she didn't need to do that. No, and more importantly, and this is what I try to tell people, what does she vote
1: for? What does she stand for? What does she fight for? What does she support? Yeah. When, when none of those have any substance to it, the rest of it doesn't matter. I right. don't care how arrogantly and condescendingly she claps behind his back, if she's still going to go ahead and vote for an insane military budget. So in other words, he's a crazy rogue person that we can't trust. Let's give him some more money in the military. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Or he's a crazy so, person we can't trust. He needs to be harder on Putin, who's an evil person. Um, because what's going to happen? Same thing with Kim Jong-un. Like they literally want nuclear war. I don't, I, well, they like, people like an enemy. People like
1: yeah. to have an enemy. They like to have an enemy with the Democrats. They love Trump as the enemy. He makes right. a perfect, you know, they love getting their pitchforks out without actually having to do anything. Yeah, exactly. It's right. all symbolic. Yeah. And, um, I always, I, the Russia thing has always amused me. And I love trying to get people to follow it to a logical conclusion when people are like, oh, well, it's the Russians. Right. And I always say, what's their end game? Where yeah. what's their end? Where are they going? Are they gonna be piling up on our shores with weapons to take us over? Are they planning to dominate with their eight military bases around the world and the economy the size of Spain? I mean, wh- what is their end game? Are they are they a threat? Are they and of course not. Of course not. Like that. It, it's just nobody wants to be logical,
0: right? And what? And what's the end game? Also, if Putin is this exactly like if they are this threat, and Trump has dementia, as they say, and uh, is a Cheeto Mussolini, unprecedented threat. Why do you want you you want him doing as little as possible with other countries? Correct. Like you don't Correct. want him ratcheting things up. Kim Jong Un. I just look. It's all what we've been doing for years. It's fear of the
1: other. We other. And everybody's the other. It's immigrants, it's Muslims, sure, it's right. the Mexicans, it's whoever, whatever. And the Russians really do present a good villain for us. Yeah. It's a very reliable old villain school. I mean, it reminds me of like, you know, back in James Bond and right. stuff. Like the Russians are the bad guys and we got to get the bad guys. Right. And, you know, the reality is when you come to terms with that the color war is a color war and that really the only color that matters is the green of the money. Right. Then you also see that beyond the borders. And I see it beyond the border. So to me, whether or not Trump is in bed with Russian oligarchs or American oligarchs, it really doesn't matter much to me. Right. And That's a good, the really people, good I have infinitely more in common with a mom in Russia than I do with, you know, potentially a mom in, you know, Beverly Hills. Yeah. So, you know, it's just more things to try to separate us. And so, no, I don't fear the Russians, because they're just people like we are trying to get their kids from point A to point B.
0: Right? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I very few people have made that point. But that's a great point. Yeah. Um, about the beyond border stuff. Um,
1: it and- doesn't, you know, look, and I'm not saying I'm for open borders. I'm not for open borders. I do think we need to maintain borders. That's not what I mean. But when you start looking at, at the border as that that's sort of like the defining line, it just isn't. Well, We're it's, all yeah, di- it's
0: nationalism and it's jingoism. Yes. Okay, we got to go there now. What is your position in terms of open borders, non-open borders? What's a a humane immigration policy? Well, you know, I actually
1: this is one of the weird things where I'll mention Julian Castro, because I actually liked what he said about this um, when he was running. And I actually clerked law clerked with the Castro brothers. So I know them. So I'll get. Yeah. Um, Did you 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 tell the the
0: difference between them?
1: Yeah, they don't look that much they don't the look same. They're next alike, to right? each other. They don't yeah. look the same. I think they're fraternal.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to look into that, yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure, but they don't look identical. Like yeah. when they're standing there, they don't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the concept of that, yes, violating our laws by coming over illegally does need to be addressed. Um, it doesn't need to be addressed as criminal law. It can be addressed civilly. And that's essentially what Julian was saying was about that it should be more of a civil citation. You want to fine people, You want to maybe add a couple of, you know, add tack on some time to their ability to become naturalized, Mm. whatever you want to do, whatever, that's fine. But incarcerating people that are nonviolent people because of something that to me is really kind of like a jaywalking situation. It's just like international jaywalking. If you were jaywalking to flee from violence. That we created. Yeah, Um, exactly. Right. Right. So that's, that's a whole other issue, but no, there's no need to treat people like animals, just because they're crossing a border. I don't care what they may or may not have done. That that's not the point. The point is you welcome people. Now, right now, I do think people should be quarantined for a certain amount of time that come here. I have no problem with that in a nice situation. I'm not we never should be keeping people in violation of human rights. But you know, no, there is there is no reason that we don't have normal immigration policy. And it should apply evenly, no matter what country you're from. There should be definitely exceptional circumstances for people that are seeking asylum. That should be a priority of what it, wherever you're from. And then there should be another level of people that just want to move here. And those people should just be treated the same no matter what country they're from. I grew up down here. I have seen firsthand the difference how we treat Cubans oh, versus how we treat Haitians. Haitians yep. And it always disgusted me. You know, I look at people, if you're willing to risk your life and take your child on a tire raft, across the ocean, you're fleeing something pretty horrible. Okay, that that is not something that we should just then take that person and then further incarcerate them. That's not what this should be about. So I I believe that. No, I don't believe in open borders. I do believe we need to have a sound process. But in general, we we treat immigrants automatically like they're prisoners. Mm. I don't
0: understand how that happened. Right? Why are we doing that? And the Cuban versus Haitian thing is just to so, so people understand that uh, they get there's a big if if Elian Gonzalez not to age, date myself but if Elian Gonzalez had been Haitian there would have been no uh, controversy uh, in terms of like no Haitians yeah.
1: literally and I've seen this on our local news I've seen it being filmed live boats of people literally pulling up on the shore and scattering and running and and the and law enforcement chasing them down yeah now. If you're Cuban, you then get asylum, right? You get asylum, you get treated differently. You have the benefit of all sorts of legislation that's in your favor. If you're Haitian or others, it's not just Haitian. I mean, it's, you know, but here we have a large Haitian population, then you just get
0: sent back and the hell with you. And
1: by the way, we'll profit off of you for incarceration for as long as we can before we send you back to where you came from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really terrible. Um, Anything else that you want to make sure that you tell people about? How can you win? How can people help you win?
1: Oh, yes. We right now, obviously, we need money. We generally love monthly, small monthly donors. We like $23 for District 23. You go to gen2020.com. And right now, what we really are amassing are phone bankers. We need people. It's so easy. You do it from your home. It's a very user-friendly program. I have people all over the country doing it. And you can sign up at gen2020.com. We also want to very much promote absentee voting. So we have a way to link people that are um, in Florida and in my district to our to request their absentee ballot. And really, the key thing is for everyone to be registered as a Democrat by July 18th because we have closed primaries. Which means that not registered, you can't vote. You have to be registered as a Democrat by July 18th in order to vote for me. August 18th in the primary. That's how she sits there as long as she does. So we'll have to have you back on. And um, yeah, you should invite me on with you and Matt. You know, I've I've known about him a lot longer than I've known about you too. Well, all right. He's older too, but yeah, uh, well, yeah is, like yeah. I've read
0: his books.
1: Yeah, so you know that's just a whole different thing. Yeah, but, maybe we yeah. Can have an
0: episode of um, of people running against big corporate Dems. Yeah, we have I mean, the, boot the, on. Yeah.
1: I look, I took my monthly money from Bernie and put it towards Shahid. Yeah. Was that before or after he suspended? It was right after. Yeah. It was right after I, and I felt a little bad. I mean, he's still saying his names on the ballot, but I'm like, you know what? If you're not fighting, if you're not fighting, I got to give that money to someone who's fighting, you know? Yeah. So, so I switched it over and quite honestly, I thought this from the beginning, whether or not I win. I still, I got, we got to get rid of Pelosi. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, but, but that's like a huge, that would be a huge um, plus. At this point, I don't know what's good. Like this has been, it's, I feel like I'm almost like look for a camera sometimes, like I'm on candid camera, like how ridiculous right. this is. Like this is a farce. We are the laughing stock of the world. We're literally deciding between a man who says grab him by the pussy and a man who allegedly did grab someone by the pussy.
0: well, And 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 he allegedly did also. He grabbed multiple people by the pussy, allegedly. Oh, Trump? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I just prefer my wolves dressed like wolves. I get that they're just the way they are. I get it. Trump has been Trump since the 80s. He hides nothing. He is who he is. No excuses. And I didn't vote for him. That's not my pick. I think he's disgusting. But- at least you know what you've got there. The other side, it's kind of we're the same, but we're pretending not to be. I don't know. I right. just, my prediction is that we're having a revolution and it's coming about one way or another. I prefer it to be a nice nonviolent revolution. I, I see this getting a lot uglier, unfortunately. I think that you're, every day you're one more desperate person. Who loses a family member because they don't have health insurance or they can't get their kid you know educated how they want you are one angry desperate person away yeah from from violence at any given moment and right now with this pandemic how many more desperate people do we have right you know we have we live in a country with more guns than people do the math and, and I'm not a, a proponent
0: of yeah, it. I'm right. not, you know. Right, right. You're just, uh, you're not encouraging it. You're predicting No, it. not at all. But yeah, that's
1: what I predict. I predict that this is going to get really ugly. I predict that the more desperate we have, the more people that are desperate, the more potential criminals there are. And you're talking about crimes of necessity. Yeah. You're talking about crime. So you're putting people in dire straits. When you put people in dire straits, you cannot predict what they will do and that's where we're going. Yeah. And and so I, I wish it weren't that way. I wish we had Medicare for all and, you know, a lot of things. But, you know, the the wealthy cannot build moats wide enough. And the the natives are getting very restless, and that I support. I support I think we should be having a nationwide worker strike. I think that we should all be out in the streets with yellow vests. Uh, you know, I welcome that. I wish they came with our cars like they do in France. Right. Um, yeah. But that's what needs to happen. And you know, when Bernie suspended his campaign, I had this sort of secret dream that the next day he was going to—and this, of course, is is my delusion—was going to get up and say, "The reason I'm not running is I'm leading a worker strike national. Nice. Everybody get in the streets yeah. and it'd be like, Woo! so or, or you know, he's going to
0: be the face of, uh, or he's running uh, as your as your uh, running mate. He's going to be your running mate in the. In... What you know? But I just thought, okay, he's going to suspend, but there's something good coming. Nope.
1: Um, and now I just sort of sit here, Bernie voluntarily left. I know. So I don't know what that means now. See, that's that's what the real problem is for me in really assessing
0: this, this setup at the end with the delegates. There's a whole other debate, uh, the uh, which is how Biden is harm reduction. I, and some people
1: see that. It depends on your perception of what is harm reduction. It depends on how you see Trump. That somebody says, do I believe never Biden is a valid position for a leftist, or is harm reduction the moral imperative? This is, this is a very personal choice for people, what they, what they have to do. And I, I do see both sides of that argument. And, and it really depends on what you're comfortable with. I think your vote is sacred to you. I think nobody is owed your vote. I think that voter shaming is completely anti-democratic and also completely futile. Um, I personally um, do not see myself voting for someone who I have that much, like, disrespect for. Like, I personally do not see myself voting for someone. And the sexual uh, allegations, the, is is, I mean, by the way, that, I felt the way I felt months ago. So th- this has nothing to do with that. But I, you know, but yeah, I mean, if Biden stood for any of the things, one of the things that I stood for, if he any of that, pick one, pick one policy and say he would fight for that, then I could actually possibly get behind the, the lesser of two evils argument almost, I could. But he stands for nothing that I want, nothing, not even a little, and in fact, is responsible for the crime bill that to me as a criminal justice person is the bane of my existence. So, you know, I, for me, I don't, uh, the never Biden thing, I don't know. I don't generally join movements and hashtags. It's not my thing. I I just don't generally do that. But um, it's a personal choice.
0: I I don't condemn either way with that. One, I want to give you the chance to push back on something, okay? Or not push back. uh, Let me go up here. Okay. Jessie Clark Pine says, if this is her policy now, referring to your um, immigration stuff, "Uh, I don't see her getting more radical in office uh, they're going to bend you to their will. And we got Yokohama <laughs> bunny disagreed. What else? Oh, no, I can't,
1: I, I can't be bent to someone's will. I've been okay. with the same man for 28 years. He can attest to that. I don't bend, okay. but, um, but what's, but what's interesting is, and this is something that I like to try to explain is when you elect people that are non-corporatist, right? That's the first step that has to be the baseline. But then you also might want to consider if they have career ambitions, because if they have career ambitions and they see this as a long-term job for them, then even though they're not sold out to a corporation, they're going to have to be making strategic moves based on where they see themselves in a few years, what kind of committees they want, what kind of position they want. They're there to kind of please. Right. And I'm not calling out names. I'm not naming anybody. and, And I'm not necessarily saying that's a horrible thing. I, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I can only say that She's just a player I in the game,
0: been,
1: right? Yeah, well, because you're trying to advance yourself in that game, sure, right? And for me, and again, this could make me be completely ineffectual, but um, I have no career ambition to be there. My goal is to get in there, be there long enough to build some alliances, get some policy passed, and then hopefully mentor someone to take over that job. More importantly, why aren't all of them mentoring young people to take right. over their jobs? Because they care about their careers. Right.
0: So And what, so, yeah. Sorry. So let's, okay, no, you win, you become a Congresswoman, member of Congress. You, you're in there for a little bit, make a bunch of alliances, change stuff up. Then what's next for you? Well,
1: hopefully somebody comes along down here that's a non-corporatist that wants to represent our community. And I very nicely step aside and move to Asheville and work in an artist co-op and have chickens and bees and goats. And um, just live on a nice piece of property in the trees. That's basically what I, I'm a mountain girl. So, um, I, Man, I it's funny. My campaign manager says I'm very much could be a minimalist and be very happy doing that. Yeah, I just uh, I don't have an ambition of working in Congress. That's right. not what this is about. This is about being a voice and letting everybody be a voice. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So I have no in- intention of staying there. So if somebody was going to work their wiles on me it would have to be really, really good. Right. I mean, I can't even think of what somebody would have to offer me for me to even want to stay there longer than I would have to. Maybe a piece of land with some goats and bees and uh, chickens. Well, you know, and then fine. But I would at least be transparent about yeah, exactly. that and say, look, I was offered this really nice property. So I'm going to sign off on this legislation. No, I mean, right. that's what it comes down to is transparency.
0: The big goat.
1: I do. I want, I, I, I do like the idea of being in an artist farm type co-op situation. I'm really a hippie at heart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just, I want to see regular people be able to participate in the process because that's the only way you can represent regular people is if regular people are representing them.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah, totally. Uh, what about pigs? Last question. You like pigs?
1: I, I, you, you mean literal pigs?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. I do
1: very much like pigs. I like all critters. I really do. Actually, the only critter I don't like, and everyone knows this, is I hate raccoons. Huh, and I call them trash pandas. I, I can't stand them. I think they're disgusting. They freak me out. They creep me out. They're rats with hands. I just, I can't. They're always in a garbage situation. I, right. I just can't. But other garbage than trash adjacent. pandas, I pretty much
0: love critters. Yeah, I do. All right. Great. Well, there's my mom sneezing. Can you guys hear that? Yeah, that I heard. That sounded like it sounded like a bird. Uh, my it sounded like my a McCall. Very loud uh, sneezes. Yeah, but yeah, let's ha- thank you so much for coming on. Um, Absolutely, thank you so much for having me on. I've been yeah. I've been excited to meet you for like the longest time. Yeah, and post quarantine, we will uh, we will convene in person.
1: Yeah, you know, I was planning on coming back up to New York at some point um, for uh, some meet and greets, and then apparently that got. Yeah. But on permanent hold.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katie. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. I'm also starting to do some videos, which you can check out on YouTube. I'll also put those on Patreon so those are easy to access. Those will not be behind the paywall. And to support the show, go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month. And if you support it at $5 a month or more, you get extra interviews and extended chats. The Katie Helper Show is produced by Josh Bregman, edited by Ted Reedy, and our theme song is by the band Cordova. Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show and see you next time.